Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. I am thrilled to let you know that we have Nick Dodani on today's episode. You might know him as Zahid in Atypical on Netflix. It just ended. We talk about that entire experience, uh, what he's learned from the whole process. And more recently, you might know him as Jared, the best friend of Ben Platt in the movie version of Dear Evan Hansen. We talk about what it was like to feel like an imposter on that set, having no real music experience, uh, and what it was like to film and get the role in the middle of the pandemic. We talk a lot about mental health. We also talk about um, his brief foyer in college into the world of politics, which obviously led him into the comedy and acting position that he's in now. And we also talk about his desire to want to do uh, potentially more stand-up. I hope you all encourage him to do so. And we get his hot take on gay wizards. It's a really wonderful episode. I enjoyed this conversation so much. I hope you do. Enjoy this episode of Not Too Deep with Nick Dodani. Okay, Nick, I have a million questions for you. I mean, probably like 20 in total, but uh, I'm so excited (laughs) to talk to you as someone... Okay, I ask this question a lot of people that I I think are kind of like multi-hyphenate artists. How do you describe what you do? Oh, that is a great question. I actually don't think I've ever. You can been say asked. it's a bad question too, because I know it puts you on the spot immediately. <laughs> no, I mean I I don't think I've ever been asked that question. Okay. Other than by my parents, who for a long time didn't <laughs> understand what I did. Um, hey, same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you how do you explain podcast host? It's uh, impossible. <laughs> uh, internet sensation. Um, I would say that I. I mean, in the most basic sense, I'm an actor. I'm a writer. I'm a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, I do funny things to make people laugh. I uh, agree with that from an outside perspective. Uh, I'm curious about your journey. Talk to me about how you got here. You're from Texas originally ish. And then how did you end up in Los Angeles? How did we get into entertainment? Yeah. Well, so I was born in Dallas, uh, but I Mm -hmm. grew up in Arizona. Okay. Um, and while I was in Arizona, I started acting in like community theater and student films. Mm. Um, I got into it because my older sister, uh, was in acting class just for fun. And I was at that age where I was just copying everything she was doing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, Oh, I want to do that. Uh, and it stuck. Um, it was the only like extracurricular thing that stuck. I tried basketball. I tried soccer. I tried karate. <laughs> so it was either sports or arts and art yeah. stuck. Well, okay. I also tried like robotics. Uh, like, wait, how like, do you try robotics? There was a robotics club at okay. my school. Got it. Um, where they made robots um cool which is cool but that also didn't quite pan out um (laughs) and yeah i started acting and then i moved to la about 10 years ago for college i went to occidental college in eagle rock um, yeah studied politics got very sucked into the college activist lifestyle okay so talk to me about that moment how how did you so you're going you're coming out to los angeles you have this kind of like um interest in arts how do you go politics route? I really, I, I give the credit and the blame to <laughs> the college. Uh, mm. The year the year I started, the Huffington Post ranked Oxy the most radical college in the country. Really? Which, <laughs> yeah. Which I thought at the time was like the coolest thing. Yeah. Right? 
That's such a choice word. I know. Radical. The most radical. But it really, I mean, it really was exactly, it was a caricature of what like right wing people say liberal arts colleges are like. Gotcha. Like it was exactly that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I got very sucked into. You played um, the part. I played the part. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was the toughest role yet. Um, <laughs> no, I got really sucked into it and I, I, I enjoyed it ish um mm-hmm. it's just a very uh intense lifestyle to like be working i have so much respect for activists um oh, you know yeah. and and like people that work in politics and well less respect for people that work in politics but the activists <laughs> i i definitely do have a lot of respect for not for me and mm. then i got back into acting in like 2014 okay um started doing stand-up in 2015 started writing a few years after that um and got really lucky honestly how so okay when do when does comedy come into all of this when does stand-up come in because that's not just something you kind of like passively decide to do i imagine uh no that's an active masochist masochistic (laughs) choice that's a very proactive uh self-harm artistic yeah (laughs) exactly oh for sure um it was my last semester of college i hated school Mm. um i wasn't really getting work as an actor and i just wanted to do something and i you know love have loved stand-up since i was really young and i was like fuck it i'm gonna try Mm-hmm. Um, I signed up for a class, uh, mm. top, by this really incredible guy named Jerry Katzman, who is a former comedian and magician who taught a class <gasps> out of a church in Santa Monica. All of this sounds perfect. Is he still teaching? Perfect. Can he I is, sign up? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. He's, I don't know if it's in person yet again, but, sure. um, it is, he's, he really taught me so much, uh, and that was 2015. And then I started doing stand-up a lot um, for a few years. And then in 2018, I was lucky enough to do stand-up on Colbert. Yeah. And after that, I said, I'm going to take a one-month break. A one-month break. Okay. It's now been three years. <laughs> from stand-up, uh, you mean? From stand-up, yeah. <laughs> okay. But you've been doing comedic and funny things in between. Yeah. 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 Is there a um, itch in your brain to get back out and do stand up? Definitely. Definitely. Have you been I working on to. material? I write jokes and ideas. I have a lot of half baked crap in my phone Great. Um, that I think I can maybe turn into actual material someday. Yeah. But yeah, no, lately I've been feeling more and more like I went to a, like a 9-11 benefit show uh, a couple weeks ago that had mm-hmm. it was hosted by like Pete Davidson and John Stewart and they just had all the greats. It was like Chris mm-hmm. Rock and Wanda Sykes and Amy Schumer and I was wow. John Mulaney who was just insane. Yeah. And I'm like, this is this level of like craft is like so incredible and like uh, wildly difficult. And it made me want to it made me want to try again. It feels like you put yourself in positions to attempt these very difficult things. So it seems like, um, you know, politics included, (laughs) that it feels like this might be on your docket. Um, I do wonder, did you learn any magic from that man? (laughs) I did not learn any (laughs) magic from Gary. Oh, Um, dang. You know, magicians keep that stuff close to their chest. That's true. That's true. I didn't even ask because that felt felt rude. Rude. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it felt rude. Uh, okay, well, talk to me about Atypical. How does this happen for you? What's the audition process like in this situation? 
Yeah. So I auditioned, uh, the first time, like the summer of 2016, mm-hmm. um, for the main character for Sam. Okay. Um, and then a couple months, I think later got called back for Zahid and then had to go through, I think maybe two or three more auditions, uh, mm-hmm. meeting with the various producers and studio executives and all that kind of stuff. And after like, I want to say like five or six months of auditioning, um, wow. I found out on Halloween of that year that I booked the role and that what we were, were starting. You, what were you dressed as when you found out? <laughs> this was Halloween 2016. So okay. I was getting into my Hillary Clinton outfit. <laughs> is this real? Yeah. <laughs> this is days before the election. We all thought it was going to yeah. be a fucking. Oh yeah. I've repressed that uh, very intense yeah. period of time deep, deep yeah. down, but I'm glad. Okay. So you're about to put the wig and the, the sensible pants. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. you find out that you booked this part. Yeah. And it was wow. surreal. It was crazy. And we like started the, the week after. Wow. Um, and, uh, I, I actually, I knew Kier who plays Sam, mm-hmm. um, prior, we worked on a movie together and we had oh, cool. uh, a lot of mutual friends and, um, but I didn't tell him that I booked the role. And so I just walked in and the table read oh, to surprise good. him. And oh. it was, it was really nice. And he, uh, he, he's a sweetheart and it was honestly a dream come true to be able to do that. It sounds, I mean, it's an incredible show and it's, it's truly, you know, you guys just finished your final season. Um, how has the impact been on you? Have you been able to process it? Because it is truly a remarkable show that's, you know, affects a lot of people and is able to showcase, you know, stories and narratives that um, deserve to be showcased the way they are, not like handled with such kid gloves, you know? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I feel like I'm still processing it. It's yeah. a, It's a surreal thing to be a part of a show generally right sure. to be on a tv show <laughs> it's just like weird and crazy and fun and cool and scary but to be a part of a show that means so much to a lot of people in the autism community yeah. um is just extra special i feel like i've become just a better person by doing the show i've become a better communicator i've become more empathetic i've become mm. just you know, my understanding of neurodivergence is so much greater. Um, and that's really to a testament to the community of fans that love the show. Uh, that being said, I I do always want to acknowledge that like not the whole autism community loves the show. Sure. Um, it definitely has its very fair criticisms. Like we didn't have any writers on the spectrum. Mm. We didn't have any series regulars on the spectrum. We didn't have any full-time autism consultants on set. So, you know, it, it, there's both good and bad. Um, So it's also been a huge learning experience in that regard of like, it's helped me like, yeah, all you can do is really be open to listening to that kind of criticism and to understand where it comes from. Yeah. I mean, listen, if we're making a show about a community that it hasn't been represented, like the Mm -hmm. community should be involved, right? Like that, that is a huge lesson that I've taken away from it. And like, that's something Mm -hmm. I've always believe you know as a queer person of color i'm always like your show is about queer people make sure you have queer people (laughs) you know i mean if you if the movie's about um you know if it's mulan like fucking have some chinese people involved (laughs) in the production um and the same goes for you know neuro neurodivergent people Mm -hmm. 
Well, there's, I mean, the like you said, yeah, it's a, it's a testament to the community, but also the ability to be able to listen and kind of like learn from all of it um, with, without kind of like judgment or defensiveness in any way. I feel like that's just like the lesson for the internet in general about everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think getting defensive is an easy way to react. Yeah. Like it's, it's, but I think what people rather what I have learned through this is that it's not like a personal attack, right? Like right. these converse, these conversations about representation are about systemic issues and it's about yeah. like, like genuine real inclusion, mm-hmm. not like, you know, not diversity and inclusion in a corporate sense, but like a real authentic radical sense. Like, what does that look like? Like yeah. if, people, if people are making money off a show about autism, people with autism should be making money off the show, you know? Very I mean? true. Um, can we talk about on that note, the salon? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. For people that don't know, what is that? So the salon is a group I co-founded a couple of years ago with mm-hmm. my friends, uh, Bash Naran and Benny Chipper. Um, and it's a group for South Asian artists and executives in the industry. Cool. Um, we have been and continue to be so inspired by what the black and Latinx communities have done in Hollywood in terms of organizing, supporting one another, financing each other's shit, hiring mm-hmm. each other. Um, that we wanted to create something similar for um, the South Asian community. And cool. so really our goal was just to bring together, because we all knew a bunch of South Asian folks kind of scattered across the industry, but like we realized we don't all know each other. Sure. Um, and so the goal was to bring together folks with influence, with power um, together, just so that we can be aware of what we're doing and find ways to collaborate. And it's been really cool to just have community you know, cool. we have these events where it's just all brown people and like yeah. these Zoom meetings where we have 50 squares and it's just, you know, the most incredible directors and writers and actors who are doing incredible things and everybody is South Asian. And it's just a, it's been a really cool experience to be able to do that. That's awesome. And it, the goal is just to, like you said, collaborate with each other and create art together. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it, it started out pretty informal. We just like hosted sure. these dinners every couple months where we would bring different people together and just like have like a cute little moderated dinner where we'd switch seats every course and talk oh, about what we wanted to <laughs> and like share about our lives and drink and eat. And, yeah. um, but, uh, as we grow and as we, you know, try and do a little more, we also want to focus on like the next generation of talents. So we launched a mentorship program last year. Um, and uh, we actually have applications open for year two right now. Ooh, where can people go if they're interested? www.thesalon.xyz. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, salon.com is taken, so huh. um, <laughs> unsurprisingly. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so that, that's really focused on like the next generation and like people that are coming up right now and like help connect them to people who have done what they want to do. That's awesome. That's uh, really incredible and I think really important. Um, it seems like you're balancing out all of the, uh, the comedy with important things. <laughs> I feel like you're very well balanced. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. And then we have to talk about Dear Evan Hansen, obviously. Um, and I also want to talk to you a little bit about um, gay wizards. So we'll be yes. right back <laughs> with more Not Too Deep. Too deep. 
Hi friends, Grace Helbig here from the podcast Not Too Deep, which you are currently listening to, hosted by me, Grace Helbig. Just wanted to say a couple of things. One, thank you so much for listening. And two, if you are enjoying yourself to such a degree that you'd love to leave us a um, review on the Apple Store, that would be so appreciated because again you are very appreciated for giving us your time your ears your attention whatever it may be uh and that was my couple of things now back to me me all right we're back in nick i want to talk to you about dear evan hansen how this happened had you seen the production before with talk to me through all of this i uh have not seen it on stage sadly i was familiar with the music but i hadn't seen it on stage um, I did watch the bootleg with Ben Platt. You're allowed to say that. Yeah, this is a safe space. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I said it on stage uh, during a panel yesterday. And, uh, okay. So it's already response. out there. <laughs> it's out there. I got a mixed response, which is why I'm being hesitant, but fuck it, whatever. Oh, Broadway's no, not really I accessible. Like, I haven't seen the production. I've seen the film. It's fantastic. You're wonderful in it. Thank you. I, ha- I have not seen the Broadway production. So um, to be able to compare or contrast the two, I can't really it's do that. Fair. I mean, you know, Broadway is far away and expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but no, it's, it, 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 I was obsessed with the music. And mm-hmm. after seeing the bootleg, I was like, holy shit, like Ben Platt is a phenomenon. I mean, yeah. like all the hype is real, right? Like mm-hmm. the awards and the hype, it's, it's all very, very deserved. And so when I found out that I got the role, I, well, honestly, it was just freaking out. It was also last summer, you know, in 2020, I was depressed. I was anxious. I was isolated. Well, you found out in summer 2020 that you had gotten this role. Yeah, I found out in August of 2020. Yeah. Wow. What yeah. a strange time to add more of a fever dream to your life. <laughs> truly, truly. But it was, I mean, fitting for the film because it's about depression and isolation and anxiety. Okay. Like it was a tonic for me. Like, you know, they, whisked me away to Atlanta to shoot the film. And wow. it was, it was just so uh, huge in terms of like my mental health at the time. Yeah. Um, and being able to do a story about mental health was also just a really surreal experience. And then also to work with the cast that this movie has is, was wild. When you're going in for an audition for something like this, how do you even prepare? Because it's one, it's a pre-existing, uh, you know, like entity. And also it's, you know, a, a homogenous musical movie situation. Yeah. Uh, well, so there's there a couple scenes and I had to pick a song to sing. Ooh. Um, and anything scenes, you wanted? Anything I wanted. <gasps> what did you um, choose? I picked um, I Know Him from Hamilton, Ooh. which is the King's final song mm. originally performed by Jonathan Groff. It's very mm. funny. It's very silly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's short. Um, <laughs> there you go. And <laughs> I had m- my friend Nisha Asnani, who's a really incredible singer, performer, songwriter. Uh, she coached me because I don't sing at all. Um, really? Yeah, I'm not a good singer. Um, oh. And uh, she coached me a bunch for the mm-hmm. audition just for that one song. And uh, I went in, I did the scenes, did the song. I think a week or two later, they called me back in, same thing, did the scenes again to the songs for the director and the producer, one of the producers. And, and then months and months and months went by and I didn't hear anything. And I was like, all right, well, you know, yeah, I'll let that one go. And then in August I found out and it was honestly just a crazy, crazy thing. How do you, uh, 
let go of a part after you audition? Do you just truly put it out of your mind and tell yourself that it's not going to happen? Yeah. I mean, most, most of the time I'm, I'm able to just be like moving forward. Don't think about it. But this one, like I would check in with my agent every (laughs) couple of weeks being like, have we heard anything about Darren Hanson? Doors not officially closed. Okay. Um, for roles like this and for projects like this, it's hard for me to let go. Like I, Oh, sure. As much as I want to be like, I'm Zen and I live in the present and not (laughs) the past or the future. Uh, No fucking way. (laughs) No, I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking neurotic actor. Like I (laughs) obsess over things. I mean, there's a, I'm right after this, I'm doing a self tape and it's for something I really, 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 really want. And I just can already feel myself manifest, manifest, becoming obsessed in an Uh unhealthy way. Okay. Well, in that sense, is there something or some things that you do for self-care? Weren't uh, you learning saxophone? Is that something that you did in the pandemic? I did briefly. I I appreciate that honesty. (laughs) Briefly. It's hard to be bad at the saxophone when you live in an apartment building. Oh, yeah. That's a tough call. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, everybody was home. Yeah, you're asking a lot of your neighbors to tolerate. Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't I wasn't ready for that type of um, uh, lifestyle. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, I would say like self care for me, especially in the past year, has been like consistently going to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a therapist virtually every week. Uh, meditation. Um, mm. Recently learned uh, transcendental meditation, which Whoa. is really wild. I've I've done different. I've done like basic like guided meditations and like breathing meditation in the past Mm -hmm. but like transcendental is like yeah what's the concept of that it's um based in like indian uh chanting meditation so Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty straightforward you basically get like a mantra um that you i mean you close your eyes and you you're supposed to hear the the mantra right you're supposed to hear the chant in your head over and over uh and that's it that's literally it 20 minutes and wow. it's pretty remarkable what that does oh yeah the i mean it's it's the simplicity of it that's so challenging in so many yeah ways. i mean it's hard it's hard yeah. but like it feels like magic yeah like it feels like the closest thing to magic oh that's cool um, that we that we get so was this something that t- took effect while you were shooting the film is this stuff like uh when you're in atlanta we're working on this film and you're in still the middle of a pandemic, but you also have this like incredible role and these incredible people. Like what was that experience? Like now the film's coming out, people will finally get to see it. It's anticipated, et cetera, et cetera. Like, where was, are you at? I'm doing good. I'm excited for <laughs> folks to see it. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I know uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited for like fans of the show to see it. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for like, teenagers to see it i'm excited for um non hollywood types to see it yeah uh because i really think um i think people will like it i mean it's got a speaking of like transcendental it's got a very transcendental message i think especially for people that uh, weren't able to see the broadway production but i've always been curious about what the hubbub's all about yeah yeah i think i think People should give it a shot. Well, there you go. That's a, a thrilling recommendation for it. <laughs> it's uh, good. It is a great film. 
it's don't great. Don't listen to the critics. That's what I would say. Don't listen to the critics. Yeah. The performances are crazy. Like I'm not talking on my own, but like Ben specifically is just insane. And like, I think, I think folks will, will take it. I agree. The, um, in, in the press that you're doing for this film, I've seen on your Instagram that you've done a lot of beautiful photo shoots. Um, I wonder how do you prepare for these gorgeous events? Um, it's with a lot of help from a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I feel uh, like your aesthetic is, is I'm obsessed with your style and oh, even your you. sweatshirt today that I'm like, <laughs> this feels like it's a little bit coming from you. Oh, I mean, for sure. I mean, it's yeah. like definitely, uh, it's a collaboration though, for sure between yeah. like me and stylists and hair and makeup people, um, and like different designers, uh, and the photographers. Um, but you know, I feel like my sense of style, uh, is always changing. Mm. And so it's really cool to be able to work with other people in terms of like figuring out how it's going to change. Yeah. Um, and like how, how to show up and like be present. Well, there's, um, first of all, how, how would you currently before it changes, describe what your style is? Ooh, I don't know. (laughs) How would you describe my style? I feel like you have this kind of like, um, effortless uh, cool nerd chic situation going on but like like a, like a like a like a smart gay skater boy <laughs> i love way. that smart <laughs> gay skater boy yeah. i fucking love that boy I've, spelled b-o-i exactly um yeah. yeah very avril lavigne uh undertones to all of it love um but i'm also curious because um you know, with, with actors and using social media and you're also, you know, involved in politics and you have, you know, authentic opinions about the world and you're involved in that. What's your relationship with social media? It's, I, I don't have a good one. I think, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't club. have a, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know anyone who does, but yeah. like a few years ago, I, I deactivated my Twitter got off Facebook, mm. um, just because it was it was too much like it was noise it's just noise and it wasn't good for mental health and Mm -hmm. um after like trump's election it got even worse and i was just like i can't do this i stayed on instagram um and i'm still on instagram there are days when i delete the app from my phone uh just just yeah just so i don't even have it i mean for me it's like it's like an addiction, right? Like if, yeah. the, fir- the first step is to get the drugs out of the house. No, so, hey, I'm, w- I'm right there with you, you know? truly. Yeah. And so I, I delete the app for days at a time. And, mm. you know, when I'm not like promoting something, um, I take some time off from posting and just kind of just consume or sometimes just neither. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I haven't figured it out. It, 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 it's, I spend so much time on my phone. It's really unhealthy. I, I'm with you. I only ask because I'm looking desperately for um, recommendations on how to uh, distance myself a bit in a healthy way. But I'm doing the same exact thing of being like, I have to create some solid boundaries for myself. I can't just yeah. wake up and hope one day I have this beautiful, healthy relationship with this thing. <laughs> no, I think the only real like foolproof advice, which yeah. I don't, which I'm not following is to delete everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I feel like I have, I have a few friends that aren't on any social media Ugh. and like, 
Wow. Exactly. Right. You like, you yeah. like, you're like, oh, wow. I wish I could Unicorns. Do that. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. And they're doing fine. They're and not, they they're exist. Do- they're not dead. They're doing they're great. Not- <laughs> yeah. They're not dead. They exist. They're working. You know they what have, I mean? Like, yeah. They're present in the world. It's incredible. It's funny though. They do, but they do feel FOMO. A really? Little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is okay, interesting. That's a, at least, I mean, that's a yeah, little bit. It's not, it's, consoling. you know, grass is always greener. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. So. Um, okay. Nick, I have to get you the two questions that I ask every single guest that is on the podcast um, to lighten the mood a little bit from our deep, dark social media addiction. Uh, <laughs> the first question is who, alive or dead, would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? <laughs> um, <laughs> Very serious question. Alive or dead? That's the part that gets me. It's like, well, we also understand that this is a an answer that can change on a daily basis. So it's just who sure. comes okay. to mind yeah. today. It's not a permanent answer. Okay. Um, I'm going to go mm-hmm. with Michelle Obama. <gasps> oh, okay. And not because I dislike her. Mm-mm. I love her. Of course. I just would love to see her react to that. I, I too would love to see her react just to you. Just cold <laughs> carbs, you know? Yeah, and she'd be like, we got to figure out a healthier uh, meal for these children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I would love to see that. Um, okay, I won't, I won't, we won't investigate that too deeply. Uh, the other <laughs> question I ask every single guest is to tell us um, your worst pants shitting story. Or a bathroom emergency situation. However, you can only use three words or three small phrases to describe the event. Um, So, for example, mine is college jogging front lawn. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. Mine's going to have to be coffee, (gasps) car. Hmm. catastrophe <laughs> sounds like it and of course there's always no follow-up questions to that question we'll let everyone <laughs> sort of paint beautiful pictures in their minds uh okay and now we have a section of the podcast called deep and hot where i'm i uh, have a deep question prepared for you and also i'm curious about your hot take on a topic that we have prepared for you cool. so the deep question that we have for you is <clears throat> Is who you really are something that has always been inside of you or is it something that has been shaped and molded over time? I would say both. I think Mm. there is a kernel to our authentic selves that comes with us from the minute we're born. Mm. And then I think there's a whole lot of influence from the outside world, starting with your parents and your peers and your family and everything, childhood. And mm-hmm. then, you know, that that childhood shit sticks. Oof, that's, yeah, yeah. You know, you try and you grow know. past it and it's just always there. No, it's there. It's in the foundation, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's like it's a mix of both. And I feel like as I get older, I'm like able to identify what is me, me and what is like my past and trauma mm. and circumstances and being able to kind of process and and, yeah. and and figure out what's what yeah i i hear you as someone that also goes to therapy on a weekly basis detangling all of that kind of mm-hmm. tangled stuff inside starts mm-hmm. to really you know put things in perspective it really does 
Um, okay, the hot take that we have prepared for you is gay wizards. What's the question? Well, I've noticed that, and correct me if I've inferred incorrectly, but in your Instagram, one of your dream roles seems to be um, a, a wizard, perhaps in the Harry Potter universe. Um, and in thinking about that, I wonder why there aren't as many um, you know, sexually uh, on the spectrum wizards in that universe. Specifically in the Harry Potter universe? Well, honestly, I would just love to put out there that uh, if you could rewrite or write a new wizard, you know, movie or something that is a bit more uh, inclusive, I would absolutely love to watch right? that. Uh, that. That is the dream. <laughs> that is a dream. Gay wizards are the best wizards. I mean, in my mind, all witches and wizards are a little queer. Yeah. I mean, oh, of course. I mean, where do you think the magic comes from? Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious. So that is your, in fact, dream role. It's definitely one of my dream roles. I would yeah. love to just play like a stoner wizard <laughs> who makes potions and sells the potions illegally like you know i don't know just yeah, like yeah, yeah. A, a comedy <laughs> slash adventure show yeah um, the uh i could totally see that did you grow up reading the books and watching the films and all i did of that? yeah okay I, I was a huge fan i i am a huge fan ish i mean jk rowling's transphobic bullshit is really disheartening disappointing and very unfortunate i wish she wouldn't um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so now my relationship to it is a little complicated, yeah. but growing, I mean, hu huge Potterhead. What house are you in? Oh, I was just going to ask you. I was, I thought for so long that I was a Hufflepuff. Okay, um, I love Puffs. Uh, me too. Uh, it made a lot of sense for me. And in the last few years, I think I retook the quiz and I leaned more Ravenclaw. So nice. I think I might be a bit of a cuspy situation. Yeah. There. A How about Raven, a Raven Puff. Is that what they're called? Okay. That's very cute. So. Uh, yeah. It sounds like a Pokemon. So it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine that fandom crossover. Oh, maybe that's what we should be working on here. Uh, what house are you? Um, I identify as a Ravenclaw. Okay. But I was sorted into Gryffindor. Ah, okay. What are the major differences for you that you've found that you identify with Ravenclaw? I just feel like Ravenclaw's. I just feel more kinship to like the witty kind of cocky, smart, <laughs> dry. They don't uh, need to really impress anyone too much. No, <laughs> no, they're not as foolish as Gryffindor. Yeah, you guys go you be know. courageous. We'll be back here commenting on it the whole My time. My boyfriend <laughs> thinks that I'm a little bit Slytherin, though, which I think oh. is He's a Slytherin, so I think he just wants company. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we should he's work a, on those he, he's a, abandonment he's a, he, issues then. <laughs> <laughs> he's a huge fan of yours, by the way. Oh, really? Huge, huge, huge. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. got great taste. <laughs> yes, he does. Clearly. I, I mean, he's a fan of yours this. and mine. I mean, oh, and he's a Slytherin? Wow. Yeah. Oh, much to unpack there. Uh, you guys can never break up now, just so you know. know. I'll I marry know. you if you need it. <laughs> we can <laughs> go ordained? to the college. Uh, no, but I've wanted a reason to get ordained so badly. Perfect. Yeah. So if that could happen, that'd be great. I'm here. Um, on that note, we're going to take one last break. When we get back, you and I will work together to give some completely unprofessional advice, um, to a reader and slash listener that has written into us. We'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Not 
Thank you, uh, as always, for all of the wonderful conversation thus far. You seem very well equipped to give um, a listener slash viewer some advice with me. And I mm. think this and it's OK if you're absolutely fucking terrible at it, because that's a story of my life. This question, I feel like um, you might have some commentary on. So it's a bit touching on imposter syndrome. This person writes, I've just started a new job out of college. I have no clue how I landed it, but I'm here. Anyways, uh, I have no fucking idea what the actual fuck I'm supposed to be doing. Everything's remote, so making friends is hard. And everyone is in their late 40s or 50s. So it's not like I can start a TikTok email chain to make friends. What do you think I should do to connect with the boomers or at least work out what the fuck I should be doing at this job that I clearly am not qualified for? Listen, so. you got the job, so you are qualified. <laughs> there you go. And no one knows what they're doing. That's True. one thing that's been like such a uh, a, a terrifying delight to learn as, yes. as I get older is no one knows what the fuck they're doing. I agree. And you might not believe it, but you have to remind yourself that truly that is how other people are feeling all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Even if that's not what they're projecting. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of making friends with the boomers, I've had to do that a lot as well. Um, yeah remote is tough i would say just like set up like one-on-one -on -one zoom coffees just to like oh. get to know and like come with like specific questions ask about their lives people love to talk about themselves yeah if they have um, kids if they have yeah pets all the safe yeah. territories i do think that that's like a huge um piece of advice to not approach them as a group of boomers but to you know single them no. out <laughs> yeah i think one-on-one -on -one is great and like you know, ask for advice if, if you feel mm. comfortable, especially if they're older. I mean, like, you know, people love getting asked for advice. It may not Truly. be good advice, but at least you get to connect and have a conversation. And <laughs> Look maybe at you'll us find here a, doing this. <laughs> yes. Maybe you'll have, maybe you'll find a mentor, you know? Very true. So what do you do? Like if you're going to, let's say you book a part and you are like, oh my God, I don't know how I did this. I'm so happy, but like, wow. And you're going to set and it's overwhelming. And you're like, eh, do I stack up? Like, is there anything that you tell yourself or anything that you do specifically? Or you just kind of throw yourself into it? Well, Dear Evan Hansen was very much that for me. I, okay. yeah, I was like, I don't sing. I don't dance. I'm not, I'm not the same caliber as Ben Platt mm. and Julianne Moore and Amy Adams. <laughs> right. Uh, and so for this specific one, all I told myself was like, I'm going to put in as much work as I possibly can. Mm. And then whatever happens, like in terms of preparation, do all the work, go the extra mile with the prep, whatever happens on the day happens. And I just have to yeah. go in confident. And even if it's not real, like faking, faking confidence is key. Um, it's acting, it turns, right? <laughs> yeah. But it also turns into genuine confidence. Um, mm. If you fake it well enough, I actually think there's like a psychological theory about this, but if you fake confidence, it can turn into genuine confidence. And then once you wow. have genuine confidence, it changes everything. Wow. And humility. And also just like owning up to your <laughs> mistakes, right? Like yeah. you have, if you fuck up, own up to it. If you're, you know, not firing at a hundred percent, like own up to it. Yeah. Um, and I is, think that's it. 
I think that's great. Yeah, there's that whole, you know, thoughts are things and the manifestation of it all. And then, you know, like playing the part until the part actually becomes authentically part of you. The yeah. I, I meant to ask you this earlier. Is there a um, standout, embarrassing audition that you've experienced? And I like to ask people that audition a lot if they have one particular memory that comes to mind. I don't think I've ever had an embarrassing audition, but I've had Ooh. bad auditions. Okay. <laughs> like where, where the performance is just not good. Sure. sure <laughs> you know, sure. the timing is off. The jokes don't land. The interpretation of the script is not right. <laughs> uh, you know, playing a very serious scene as a comedy or vice versa. Mm. When, when, you know, I clearly did not read closely enough or yeah. uh, prepare, you know, if I didn't sleep enough the night before and I'm just like, the energy isn't there. So I've, I've definitely had auditions like that mm. um, where I walk out and I'm like, <laughs> that one went, got away from me there. <laughs> that one got away. But you know, not everyone is fucking good at work every day. That's very, I think that's also very true. And the idea of remembering that everyone is feeling uh, some level of imposter syndrome. Sometimes people are at their peak imposter syndrome. Sometimes people are like very, you know, just scratching the surface of it, but also remembering that everyone's human and that yeah. we're not machines. <laughs> Thank God. Not yet, no. anyway. And not yet. <laughs> here's hoping that's the only way to save our, our culture uh, that everyone fucks up and everyone makes mistakes. And Treating people the way you'd want to be treated in your mistake making, I think, is wildly important. Um, yeah. Nick, we've gotten towards the end of the podcast. Uh, I, I just want to know, like, what's coming up next? What's going on for you? Obviously, the movie's coming out. And by the time this airs, I think it'll be out. So everyone should go watch it. But what else? Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm focusing on my writing. Uh, cool. Oh, yeah. Are you adapting a book right now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah talk to me about this. I meant to ask you about this. Yeah. It's called Blue Boy. Um, cool. It's based on a novel of the same name. Uh, it was written by this guy named Rakesh Safiel, who is this really incredible author. Um, and it's about this 12-year-old Indian kid in early 90s Ohio mm. uh, who's coming to terms with his sexuality, with his place in you know, his school and his temple and his parents. And uh, it's just like a really sweet, quirky, weird um coming of age story like very ladybird very cool. eighth grade yeah um and uh yeah so i'm i'm writing the screenplay uh i've written the screenplay and revising it right now and uh we're developing it and, and trying to awesome. turn it into a real thing oh i feel like you have next to no experience with that story to be able to infuse it with any <laughs> personal perspective yeah no, totally totally <laughs> well that's very cool um before we wrap up completely, as a token of our appreciation for making time to, to chat with us today, uh, we have a personalized horoscope um, that Ooh. we have written for you. Uh, like we are not professional therapists, advisors, and we are not professional astrologers. Um, Melissa has put it in the chat for you if you'd like to read it out loud. Uh, Absolutely. For everyone. Dear Sagittarius, Archer of the Stars, this month you'll be especially motivated and on an upward swing hitting some major goals. So don't listen to the neighbor's complaints and blow. What? Oh, I get it. Wow. I can't read. <laughs> See this? You don't always show at hundred percent. So don't listen to the neighbor's complaints and blow away on that sax baby and show them what that mouth do. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Show it's them it. what that mouth do. That is great. It's, in the, advice. it's, in, it's in the stars. So it's in the stars. Yeah. 
Um, thank you so much for chatting, yeah. Nick. This oh, was thank super you so fun. Much. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Where can people find you on the devices that you may or may not have been deleted from Ooh. at some point? Yes, uh, I'm on Instagram at Nick Dodani. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Go see the movie, guys. And um, fingers crossed for the stand-up that hopefully will happen in the future. One day. One day. One day. And yeah. for the adaptation. So exciting. Thank you. Thank you oh. so much. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. Of course. And we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. It was Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. Music.